Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I don't even have this baby yet, right? Like he's a little alien kicking inside me right now. <laughs> but already, I just, I just want to protect him. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, it's it does bring up stuff for me because that was the person that was supposed to protect me and keep me safe. I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so that you can liberate the way you live and love. I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. Today we are speaking with Beach. That's her alias. She's 41 years old and six months pregnant with her first child. She has a challenging relationship with her father, who is a big source of pain for her. Right now, she's feeling anxious about giving birth, and I suspect anxious about becoming a parent. There's a moment in her life where her trust in herself gets deeply damaged, and we recognize in this conversation that it has yet to be restored. All right. How are you feeling today? I feel pretty good. Um, I had a I'm, I have a pretty like great job, but it's pretty intense on top of being pregnant. So I feel like it's been a rough mm-hmm. week, just energy wise, just you know, trying to push through some, some key meanings and stuff. So emotions came out because I was so overtired the last few days, but it's, um, it's just managing the energy. Yeah. Of, and you're, you're six months pregnant, right? I'm a little over six months. How's the pregnancy going? It's going good. I think I'm a little, I'm a little older. I'm still healthy, you know, but because of that, perhaps that's why the fatigue has never let up. And it's just, it's unusual for me to just be, feel so low energy, you know, and I don't feel like it's like a depression or low, like a lack of motivation. It's just physically, I just feel like Mm -hmm. so run down all the time and I'm not used to that. So that's been an adjustment I was hoping would um, go away. <laughs> but here we are with it. Yeah. 
I can't complain. I don't have nausea. I feel some people have to deal with some other stuff like nausea and and other challenges in pregnancy that I don't have to deal with. So I'll take the fatigue. I imagine that there's a couple of places that we could start. I know you said, you know, I haven't really prepared for today, which I actually tend to think are um, is a really good recipe for just having a conversation and seeing where it might go. Yeah. But I know that you feel a little anxiety around the pregnancy and maybe the delivery. And it also sounds like you have a bit of a complicated relationship with your dad. And so, yeah, I'll name those two points that we could maybe start with with one of those if you feel more called to begin with one or the other i would say it's probably more of a warm-up or an easier conversation to just talk about some of the anxiety around birth and then (laughs) segue into talking about my dad but yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like most women must have fear around birth right like it's it's a beautiful thing, but it's also, it can be a painful thing. And the way that it's portrayed a lot of times can seem kind of traumatic. I do feel like I have this disproportionate Mm. focus around the fear of labor and delivery. And um, I don't know where that comes from. I'm really not sure. So I had started the year really trying to focus on meditation and wellness to prepare my body to get pregnant. And I was lucky to get pregnant sooner than I planned. And so I'm overlapping, like doing yoga, teacher training. Like I took on a lot, but I, I tend to be a person that probably goes big or go home, like maybe too much, right? Like I, I always do a little too much when I want to like focus on something. It's like all or nothing. And so I'm a little overwhelmed right now, but what, but what I'm trying to take on. And then I think the reality of it is when I went into my 12 week appointment, they make you sign all these forms once you get to a certain point, right? And so in that appointment, I was sitting there and the nurse had come in. She goes, okay, here's the forms you need to sign. And I'm reading through it. And I was I was like, oh, what am I feeling? I felt really hot. And then I felt like kind of nauseous. And I was like, oh my God, I'm having a panic attack, which I used to have panic attacks all the time when I lived in the city, you know, back in the day. And I haven't had one in a while, but I recognized it right away. And I was like, oh man. And it was around just, I think the reality of like, you know, the uncertainty of what can happen. And um, yeah, I just like kind of, I kind of freaked out and I do have some tools. So I started doing, I'm in the office by myself and I'm sitting there doing tapping and, and, you know, exercises, but it was kind of like, it was probably a good thing. Cause it also made me acknowledge like, oh, wow. I'm not over some of these fears. It's interesting listening to you. I have recently posted something about our race to regulation as it had come up in a conversation I was having. And, you know, this like, ooh, something is quote unquote wrong. And how do I race to get to this place of regulation, right? Whether I'm tapping or breathing properly or, you know, fill in the blank. And, you know, of course, this isn't an invitation to stay in dysregulation, but also we know that dysregulation is information for us, right? It's it's letting us know something that may need and want more attention, right? And so maybe that's a place for us to 
explore because I think it's like, oh, shoot, I'm having a panic attack. And anybody who has had ever had a panic attack knows that you would like to get out of said panic attack as quickly as possible because it's a deeply uncomfortable and overwhelming and scary place to be. And so again, I want to be so clear that I'm not saying like, let's hang out in the panic attack. But the inquiry now, right now that we're in a different place, right, is that, oh, I don't need to just get to regulation and stay there. Right? I need to understand what this moment of dysregulation was communicating to me. Right. And I know you said that, yeah, your your fear. Well, you started off by saying, like, I, I imagine you know, most people feel some type of fear in the way that it might be presented to us. But then you started to personalize it a little bit more saying that maybe yours is a bit more disproportionate or, you know, there's something about it that feels like it's a little bit further than what you imagine other people might be experiencing, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's me being critical of myself, like, suck it up. You you can handle this. Or why, why does everybody else seem to yeah. be okay with this and you're not? Or I guess I'm just, I've learned through EMDR therapy and sound healing to be more comfortable in the dysregulated states and to and read into it and kind of surrender to it. And so much comes out of that, that I've gotten more introspective about like trying to kind of be comfortable in that space where you could like explore and find out what that really means. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm attaching something to it of like, oh, I must have some former wound or something from my childhood that makes me so, you know, like there was a, in my yoga, my prenatal yoga, there's a a doula and I'm definitely into all the woo-woo stuff now too, right? Like I love sound healing. And she had said, oh, were you a C-section baby? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, if there's any truth to that or what that kind of comes from, but I don't know if I need to know like that there's something that makes me more fearful or if it's a combination of I have ADHD so I'd never connected until recently as in a like as in my adulthood like oh you have anxiety and you have ADHD mm-hmm. perhaps there's a connection there where I actually kind of embrace my ADHD now and I realize as a creative person that it it's actually a gift like it's like my mind works in this crazy way but when it comes to processing emotions and thinking through things, you can just go down rabbit holes all day long. And so I feel like it might just be the way that I'm wired, right? I guess my fear is that I'm trying to do the yoga and the meditation. And when I do it, it does quiet my mind and it helps me. And with the fatigue, I hate to use it as an excuse, but it's like everything fell out the window. I went from doing yoga five or six days a week and running and meditation every day to just being so exhausted, even from the beginning where all my routines kind of fell off, but I, I don't know. It's like, is there some tools that I can use? Because I'm, I guess I'm now afraid of the fear of like, when I get in the moment clenching up so much that it's going to make my birth experience more difficult. Yeah. I mean, you have so much awareness around this and I feel like you've gone down um, a few, like many different paths of like, yeah, what do we know anything about your birth story? Which it sounds like you've said like, oh, okay. So I was delivered via C-section and do I know anything beyond that? You know, I don't know if you've ever asked any questions about what that delivery was like and, you know, whether there's some trauma stored there from I mean, all I can say, because it's just actually very randomly, I didn't even ask about it, came up recently, is um, my mom said I was her easiest 
birth because I was a planned C-section. I was probably her most difficult child <laughs> just because I was fiercely independent. But as a birth, it sounds like it was planned. She knew it was a C-section. There was no emergency. And it was actually her easiest. Yeah. So I think sometimes when we, the moment of delivery and birth versus the fuller picture of what that means and represents and the things that come next. And I don't know if you feel like you're so focused on the delivery or if there's fear that comes in when you think about like, oh, okay, I'm becoming a parent. And I know we can argue like you're already mamaing, but right, like once baby comes earthside, right? It's like, all right, now I step into a different type of role and what happens from there. And so, you know, we might not know about your birth story through your experience, right? But we we can know about the life that you've lived from that point on, right? And, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I want to hold that maybe there's fear or anxiety or discomfort around those next steps and how all of those pieces sort of come together. I know, again, we said earlier, like you have a complicated relationship with your dad. Do you, do you feel like you also have a complicated relationship with your mom? No, my mom is just the kindest, most selfless person. I, ironically, I'm probably more like my dad if, there's ten, if you have a tendency toward a parent, whether that's learned or, you know, nature, nurture, whatever. Will you tell me what the, yeah, like what the similarities are or what feels close there? I think we're both more reactive, you know, like I feel like in later life, like the things that I used to think I'm like, like my dad, and I would actually look at it in a critical way of like blaming myself of like, oh, I'm like him or I'm more selfish or just more reactive in things and and thinking that that was just the way I was. And in later life, it was like, oh, well, maybe that's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of tried to like take that on. Though, I mean, I would say the one thing with my mom, they've been together almost 50 years. I don't necessarily think it's funny, like having been married, I am now divorced. I'm having my baby with my with my partner. We just had our four-year anniversary, but it's someone who's so peaceful mm-hmm. and makes me feel safe. And I didn't know that that was like something I needed Hmm. because my normal was just so chaotic. Yeah. Had a good childhood. So like, I feel like I want to say that, right? Like I had a wonderful childhood. I really did, but my dad's a really volatile character. And I think I've always known that. And I know that that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of the pain and anxiety and maybe like not feeling safe kind of comes from is just having memories of someone who had such um, anger issues and Mm. road rage, you know, really severe punishments. It's not like I got beaten every day, but the things that I would get punished for were so small, you know, I mean, when you really look at it, when I look back and now thinking of being a parent, it's, it is painful. And I, and I do know, um, I know that <laughs> he was punished really severely, you know, in a very religious home where that was like justified by their religion. Right. Mm-hmm. And my mom is a very 
submissive and an obedient wife. So like while she would never do that, she also, you know, I have to say that there probably is a, a very small but recognizable amount of resentment because she's kind of codependent and well, she didn't step in. She didn't step in sometimes like maybe when, but, but she would mostly just be also in fear. You described being punished as disproportionate, I think, to, you know, what the behavior was, right? That the punishment didn't really match the quote-unquote crime, right? And I'm just going to name that word because you've used it twice, uh-huh. right? That like your fear is disproportionate and the punishment that you experienced as a kid was disproportionate. So we'll just hold that for now. We don't have to do much more with it in this moment. You said you had a good childhood. Yeah. And I know it's like, what constitutes a good childhood, right? And we're like, oh, there's complexity here, right? Because you you experienced emotional, physical abuse. And also that it sounds like there were really good moments, I have to imagine too, right? And yeah, I'd love if we might be able to talk about the childhood in more detail, right? So as opposed to the label of good, because it also sounds like there's some not so good in there too. And I can also tell that you're really good at holding context, right? I can feel that like kindness in you that's like, dad got punished so badly, right? And like, he's a product of that, right? And so you're holding such grace and compassion for these humans in your life where you know that they have stories as well. And also you have one. Right? And we want to really connect to that experience and that story and, and what it holds and represents for you. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this, quote unquote, good childhood. And let's understand maybe some more of the complexity to it. Before I get to that, I'll try to quickly summarize some adult stuff that I think is majorly contributing to this, like, I'm having dreams where my dad is in it and, you know, there's confrontations or crazy. I don't know. Did you have crazy pregnancy dreams? Like you get some crazy vivid dreams. Very common. Yeah. Okay. Well, about seven or eight, seven years ago, I went through a pretty traumatic divorce. I was, I had a long distance marriage. I had a good partner. We had a, like, he was good to me. However, after the fact, when we separated and it turned, it kind of turned, it was a Jekyll and Hyde situation, right? He really revealed a lot of traits that I think are similar to my dad that I hadn't acknowledged before. And I was very stuck for a while in that divorce. And I finally went to therapy. I did EMDR. I thought I was going about my divorce. Long story short, a year plus into the EMDR therapy, all the like clearing letters I should have been writing to my husband at the time ended up evolving like naturally like it was all about my dad like yes there was healing that needed to happen from the divorce but what came out of that like the trauma and the punishment that was disproportionate honestly was me just punishing myself like for this failure of a marriage forever and and I was so stuck for a couple years I finally went to therapy and in therapy talked about a lot of childhood stuff. I would sit there and I would say, 
I would be honest about how I'm feeling. And then I would always say, but I know he had it so bad and this, but I know he loved me or whatever. And at some point she said, but where, I understand all this, but she said, where's your anger? And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you should be angry about this. Hmm. And I was kind of like stuck and I'm like, huh? And I never really, I've, I, you know, I healed a lot of things during that EMDR, but like, I never really thought about that or maybe like got all of that out. Well, COVID happened, I moved, and this is, um, oh my God, this is only a little over a year ago. Of a close family member had passed away, tragically. Um, and so my parents had come down, my sisters were around for the funeral. And my dad, never, my dad stopped drinking before I was born. And I mean, I even remember going to some a, like some AA family functions, you know, when I was very little, like five years old, and he didn't drink from before I was born until I was 14. And then it kind of started to creep back in very, I don't want to use the word innocently, but I would say in a subtle way, like, oh, let's toast New Year's. And then suddenly there was beer in the house all the time. And by the time that I graduated high school, and both of my sisters are older, they're out of school, by the time that I graduated, the family had wanted to have like an intervention it had become an issue. Well, now flash forward, that was over 20 years ago. It's become more of an issue. It's continued. He kind of dug his heels in a little bit. So I guess I had been away and now I've done the therapy. I had had a conversation with him during the therapy where I brought up one particular punishment that was so horrific, I guess, and traumatic. And he didn't really apologize. He kind of deflected and talked about other random punishments on my sisters and then started to share a story of his own wounding. So I was glad I got it out, but I, I don't know that I needed a apology from him, but I at least wanted him to acknowledge because I didn't realize until I did the EMDR how much that affected so much of my adult life, that particular hmm. punishment. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I, I don't need you to share about what what happened, but I saw you get emotional there. Yeah. And I would like to understand its impact, right? Because you're telling me like, oh, I had not understood prior to then how impactful and how much it shaped 
you know, a lot of the way that maybe you relate to people or the way you relate to self or life, right? And so I'm curious, yeah, like what stands out to you about its impact on you? What did it teach you? I was maybe 10 years old and I accidentally broke something of his that was very cheap and not a big deal. And he he came to us in a very confrontational way. He's like, I know someone broke this. And or he said, I, I, where is this? I know, you're not supposed to use it. Let me pause you again. I'm just curious. I want you to notice whether or not you're going to tell me about the impact or whether you're going to tell me about the details of what happened. Do you want both or you just want the impact? Do you feel it's important for me to know the story? And is that important for you to share it? I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I guess, I guess just for context. What's happening in there? I think I thought I healed a lot of this, but I guess it's just like, I don't know if it's like a need for people to like know where I feel like there's like so much of, of how I react to things was shaped by that incident that um, mm. basically I'll summarize it this way. <laughs> I wrestled as a 10 year old with whether or not I complete or like just tell him about this very simple accident because I knew there was a really bad punishment mm. on the other side of it. So like the lie or the not telling was really because I knew that I was just going to get punished really severely for it. So I sat with it, just wrestling with this guilt, this inner guilt as a 10-year-old for like a few days. And when I finally told him, because I, it was eating me alive, right? Like I, I'm also like a good person. So it's not like I wanted to like hide this, but it should have been something that I feel as a parent. If like my kid just broke something that they would just come to me and be like, mommy, I'm sorry. Like I broke this. And I'd be like, oh, it's okay. And instead you know, I got like, okay, well, I'm glad you told me, but you know, like you lied about it. So, so you know, what needs to happen kind of a thing. And then he just whipped me with a belt like a dozen times, like, you know, like bare naked, just like thrashing me to the point where I was like writhing and like, I had to go back and like sit in my bed in the fetal position and, and bruised and stuff. And that's what I mean is it's, it's not like I had beatings like that on a regular basis, but even just that one, because there was so much tension for me, like about what to do about it. And I find like, what do you think that taught me? It's like, I told the truth and then I just got the shit beat out of me. So every time that later in life as an adult, which I didn't realize until after I had gone through the therapy, it's like, I would have this anxiety whenever it was like, there was a confrontation or even someone would would innocently call, oh, can you come to my office? And I just think like, oh my God, I'm getting in trouble, right? Like that was just like, I constantly lived this fight or flight kind of response, right? To things. So what happened, um, flash forward a little over a year ago, a couple of years after my therapy, and she had said like, where's your anger, right? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I just see his behavior, his just immature behavior and it's and I do probably think I'm not gonna label someone a narcissist but if someone asked me like do you think your dad has any mental issues I would say maybe he's bipolar and he he has for sure narcissistic traits right and just the way he was behaving it was really I was just really like disgusted by it they ended up coming and staying with us 
And there was there was an incident where, you know, he he hides his alcohol, even though he doesn't have a problem. He like literally is the person that I go into the second bedroom and his duffels open and there's little bottles of alcohol in there. And I'm like, really? And I had he's in my space. I had asked him, hey, please don't go in there because someone was having a conversation. And he just flew off the handle and it started to come up again, like that dis- disproportionate reaction to something so small. Someone in your space saying, hey, don't go in there out of respect for that person that's in there. And so I'm like, ooh, I feel myself. Let's go. I need to get out of this space. I need to go outside. And what happened was he also was like, I'm leaving. And so he came in kind of almost like pushed at me. And it was almost like an involuntary response. I feel like I blacked out and I grabbed him. He's almost 70. I spun him around like a ninja and I dropped his ass on the ground and I jumped on top of him and I screamed in his face, you are a piece of shit. And I didn't, it happened so fast and nobody else was in the room. And all of a sudden, like, you know, my partner, my mother came in, they're like, whoa, what happened? They came into me straddling my dad, holding him by the shirt. Right. And it was like, oh, there's my anchor. And I was like, I didn't even know that I did that. It was so bizarre. I've never had a moment in that. I've never treated anyone like that in my life, but it was like, finally, I'm an adult and I acknowledge everything you've done to me. And I was, and he was drunk. So that's the thing is my mom came in and I got out and I went outside and I like literally felt like 20 pounds lighter because so much tension that was inside of me emotionally just like came out and we never talked about it. You know, like I would have liked to talk about it. He tried to leave in the middle of the night without like saying goodbye. And I wanted to say goodbye to my parents. I apologized because I am sorry that I treated someone that way, even if it was in reaction to how they were acting in my home. And then we never really talked about it. And I think he just kind of thought everything was okay. So they had come back in town for a wedding and he just, and I was trying to just behave nicely for the wedding. Right. But like, I'm not okay with it. And I think I finally realized like, I'm not putting up with this in my life anymore. Yeah. So maybe what's really important about this, because I know you said, you know, you have some reactivity that you notice about yourself that this is separate from this moment that you're talking about, right? But I, I heard you say before, like, there are certain things that that resemble your dad. And so you have a little bit of reactivity that you notice. There might be more that stands out to you. But I think maybe what I'll bring forward here is that your resolution in our past can very easily create reactions in the present day that feel disproportionate. And I'm thinking about what you just said, which is, oh, I feel like I've worked through this, but like it's, you know, maybe it's still here and there's, or there's some threads that are still hanging and loose because I'm I'm feeling something, right? And I think as we circle back around to, hey, I'm pregnant, I'm having a child, I'm afraid of delivery or what could happen here. And then we started to talk about like, and also what happens next. I wonder a little bit about whether or not there's fear for you as parent if you feel unresolved around pain in your own life. Is it possible that your reactivity as parent is disproportionate to child? Mm-hmm. Just tell, just notice what's there for a moment because I, I saw you like take that in and get a little emotional. I, I mean, I don't even have this baby yet, right? Like he's just little alien kicking inside me right now but already I just I just want to protect him 
And I think that's why, like, it's it does bring up stuff for me because that was the person that was supposed to protect me and keep me safe. I, I healed from it from a perspective of, like, this wounded child. And I went through a lot of that healing. But now as I become a mother, it's another layer of, like, I just can't imagine putting my kid in position over and over again. Road rage where, like, you follow someone off the road and someone smashes a wrench through your window and your whole family's in the car. And then you're like, I can't believe they did that. Why would you put your family in that situation just because of your anger? So that's where I'm not afraid that I'm going to be a parent like my dad. I just recognize that I definitely won't. And then I go back to like, God, how could he parent that way? So that I think brings you back to your pain for self, right? Like that sweet 10-year-old little girl. Yeah. This like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I, you know, maybe we don't know the word integrity at 10, but you know, you're like, I'm gonna, I wanna be honest, right? That's the right thing to do. I'm gonna, you know, hold myself in this way and bad things happen anyway. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you use the word integrity because that's, that is a word that came up during my divorce. And I mean, I spent a year just punishing myself because of my role and my mistakes and my marriage falling apart. Even while this person, like my dad, I would say, I know there's hurt and pain that comes in a situation like a divorce. And I certainly made some mistakes that hurt this person, but the level that they took it to and the things that they said to me, more words than anything physical, although there was like some vandalism, but was so over the top. But I I let them continue to talk to me that way because it was like, I felt like I deserved it. So the word integrity, like when you brought that up, it's like, yeah, I don't know what that word means when I was 10, but that was a word that I honed right. as like means so much, you know, as an adult in that situation. What do you think you are trying to resolve? Because I know you you keep saying like, you know, I, I feel healed in these areas, right? But I also know that there's a lot of fear and anxiety that's presenting for you. And yeah, I'm curious if you have clarity around what you want to challenge for yourself or what is unresolved in this moment that we can face. I think the tricky part is that from what happened a year ago where the the first person I've ever physically had an you know, like assaulted my father, maybe with reason, like from that moment, I kind of recognize like perhaps some boundaries need to happen. Like I need to stop just appeasing this person because they're my parent and recognize like nobody else triggers that kind of reaction in me. Like, do I have some strong reactions? Yeah. But like, really there's no one in, in my life that I let in my life that makes me need to like, put down boundaries that disrespect me in that way, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and the other component of this is my mom is not happy and she's so meek mm-hmm. and submissive that the past decade, she hasn't been happy. And I know this and I want to protect her and I've made a space for her to be here. And she was here for quite some time. And then he kept kind of nagging and manipulating for her to come back. So she went back. So there's a couple things. It's like, I feel that I should be having a boundary. And yet, like, 
it's a really bittersweet and melancholy kind of moment because I shared with very close people to me that I was pregnant. I kept that from him. I didn't talk to him, although he wasn't reaching out, to be honest. And then I shared it on social media and it made me really emotional, like that he didn't reach out. Like other people would text me, like my uncle or other people I hadn't talked to in a while. I'm so happy for you and this and that. But like that he didn't reach out to me was like an added layer of hurt because I don't want to keep, I don't want to not have a relationship with my dad or to keep him from having a relationship with his grandchild. But I feel like I'm I'm in this position in the middle where I want to protect myself and my child, but also my mom. So I'm in this weird purgatory where like she won't, she's paralyzed by this situation and she won't make the move that she wants to get out of the situation. And so I think that's where my ambivalence comes from is that I think in my gut, I know that I need the boundary, but it still breaks my heart because I have this idealized idea of my dad. I see the good things in him. And I I think, oh my God, like we also have a lot of common interests and our brain works in the same way. And I see how my friends are with their dads and how their dads, a lot of my friends' parents have softened as they've gotten older. It's like they've leaned into their wisdom and softened and they just kind of like, and it feels like he's just doubled down on bad behavior. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to the like wanting closeness with the same person we need to have boundaries with, right? And I I do hear that you don't want your dad entirely out of your life. Like the the fact that you haven't heard from him and you haven't reached out to him, right? Like there's a there's a sadness there, there's a grief there. And it also there's like you know, thinking the little girl in you that's like, I just want my dad to be here and to be a part of this. And then the woman in you who's like, here's what's acceptable and allowed and what's not. And yeah, the mama bear in you that's like, I am here to protect my son. And how all of those parts intersect, how they come together. Do you believe that there is a way to have boundaries and to have connection? I don't know. I feel like it probably requires a conversation. Mm-hmm. And even leading up to that, the big moment at my apartment a, over a year ago, that was some form of communication, right? Whether how much he remembers of that, I'm not sure. I whew, I think leading up to that, like I was like, I'm the only person that can probably get through to him. So I'm the one that needs to either like write a letter or say something finally. And then instead I felt like I totally sabotaged it because I just all those years of that was a lot of like what I would have wanted to do as a kid. You know, I used to draw him as a monster sometimes. I know that's typical when kids have issues with a parent, but I also loved him. I always like for 20 years of going through my twenties and thirties, wanting to like write him a letter that was like encouraging to be like, I know you, you know, have this or that, or I would think about like, you know, the creative things that we have in common. You get him, right? There's a part of you that gets him. I get him more than anyone, but I also, because of that, like, I don't accept that behavior out of myself. And so I think like, I'm maybe even a little harder on him. You and your dad have historically had ruptures. Are you the one who starts the conversation and initiates afterwards? Does he do it? Does it go back and forth? Did he punish with silent treatment or like how, how do you two bridge after and I know you haven't had a, this extent of, you know, a rupture, but growing up, do you remember who would come to whom? And Oh, gosh. 
you know what? It's not like a memory that comes to me. Like, oh, I remember he would come back and be like, are you okay? I know that, you know, I don't remember. I'm sure there was some of that. Maybe that's why I'm like that. I'm the person that always not has to have the last word, but like outside of this situation with my dad, I feel like if there's something, some kind of tension with someone, it's like eating me alive. I can't just sit with it or say whatever it is, what it is. Like, I want to go talk to that person and heal it because like, I won't stop thinking about it. And maybe that's part of it. It's like, so I go directly with him. I don't think that there's been a healthy amount of that. I don't think he's like a good communicator. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. I want to go back to, you know, when I had paused you before and I was like, you know, are you going to want, will you share the impact of it or do you want to tell me some of the the details of it and, you know, what feels important? I want to go back because I think I got the sense of what the impact must have been like for you, right? But I would really like for us to make contact with it together. Meaning like, I would like for you to tune in to what that was like for you. I don't need you to revisit the moments and you know we don't need to to reshare any of the details, but I want you to make more contact with its impact on you. Because seeing you and connecting to you, right? Understanding that feels very important. And to not just like, oh, I've told this story thousands of times, you know, like in in my own head, maybe to a partner, to friends, to family member, right? Where, okay, yeah, yeah, we can guess what the impact might have been. But I would really love to hear from you. So when you said that the immediate statement or summary that came to mind for me was that it broke my spirit. That was the moment that like... (laughs) broke my spirit and I don't think I recognized that until I was doing the EMDR therapy and one of the things that came up for me was I don't know the timeline within a year or two of that punishment like so I was still young right and I used to my dad had a real blue collar job he's a carpenter he's really good at it I used to help so I was working with him even when I was really young doing that kind of stuff and we were at someone's place that he was working on I grew up on a farm so I had a lot of animals And this guy was just whipping his horses, just beating his horses. And I never thought about this like for years, right? But as we're leaving, my dad's like shaking his head and he's like, I can't believe that someone would do that to their animal. 
like the idea of breaking a horse, right? Right. And the and the methods that people go about doing doing it. There's different ways, right? But the fact that he was judging this person, I kept wondering, like, why did that come up? And then I made the connection that, like, like maybe I didn't acknowledge that when I was a kid because I didn't know what to do with it. But the fact that this same person really like the way with a leather rein or a leather belt beat me that way in that moment, in some of those moments, it didn't happen often, but it happened enough to like affect me. And like, that's, I think what I realized is like, I was such a, like, I still am, but I was such an independent, like free spirited person. And what that punishment did to me, was it just like, it just shattered me. It took it from you. It's where every, it's like, it's like the fork in the road where I start to have anxiety and I start to like worry about what everyone's thinking because it's like, I don't want to be punished like that. So in every interaction, my brain is like triggering that, like, oh, is this, what does this mean? Like trying to like analyze everyone's behaviors, which is exhausting. The two messages came up for me was you're not good enough and you're a bad person. And that's what I've carried with me all this time. And I I know it now. So I've, I've worked on it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize like the extent of it, like feeling bad. Natural confidence. Yeah. When you say those words. I had a lot of, as a kid, I was a free spirit. But like, think about when I hear that, I'm like, oh yeah, natural confidence. What we sort of require, right? To step into this chapter of life that you're entering into, right? A belief in the self, right? Just the natural confidence that I can do this. I trust my body. I trust me. I I know how to do this. It's ingrained in me, right? All of that. It's like your natural confidence was shattered. And it makes a lot of sense that there's a part of you that is disconnected from the confidence i think that you know parents are like can i do this can i get through this can we get to the other side do i believe that when my child and i know he's not here yet right but like when hard things happen right will we be able to move through it get to the other side right in theory right you're saying yes i will never be like my father etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and right, it's like how do i can i actually believe that can I actually trust that? And there's been something that's been ripped away, taken, robbed from you in your belief in yourself. I think you can say the right things, but I think there's a part internally that is slightly unsure. Right? Will, will I really be able to stay patient? Will I really be able to get through this moment? Yeah. Absolutely. I think, in fact, interestingly enough, like, you know, I'm, I'm tired, so I don't go to yoga the way I like to. I know it's good for me. I know meditation is good for me. And I went last week and during the meditation, like, I'm not, I don't even know if it was connected to what she was saying or just some kind of organic feeling in my body, but I was lying there with my eyes closed in Sabasana and all my energy just went like right here, like where your third eye would be, right? that intuition point. And I got so emotional because I realized like, I just feel like that's so clouded. 
I think that's like part of it is like I started to acknowledge the overwhelm of like like I'm excited to be a parent but that um like everybody talks about your just your body's natural instincts when it comes to birthing or when when it comes to mothering you know and then when I think about that I'm like well where was his natural instincts how did those get blocked by his actions if that was his instinct I don't want those instincts (laughs) there's a when I listen to you, I hear the difficulty in trusting yourself. And I think the origins of that was a 10-year-old little girl who broke something. It was like calculating all the things. Okay, do I say it because that's the right thing to do and I want to be an honest person or do I not say it because I know that the consequences might be bad and okay, okay, can I trust myself to make this decision? And there's a rupture there, right? Because we can sit here and argue that like, oh, sweet 10-year-old you was like, I'm going to be honest in this moment, right? But 10-year-old you didn't know how to discern well, right? Like 10-year-old you didn't know like, okay, yeah, here's what I'm going to trade my honesty for this consequence, right? How could she? But I think that there's yeah. a rupture in self-trust in moments like that. Whether we recognize it at yeah. 10 or not, right? But like at this moment of like, oh, oh, shoot. Did I choose incorrectly? Now, let me be so clear. It is not children's responsibility to do that, <laughs> right? Yeah. It is always adult's responsibility to do that. But that doesn't change the way that we might internalize things, right? Yeah. Right. We can we can sit here and we will sit here and we can say it absolutely was his responsibility right, to manage that. It was not your responsibility at 10 to have to negotiate internally and, you know, decide, oh, here's the threat and I shouldn't do this because here's what's going to happen. Right? That's not a 10-year-old's responsibility ever. Yeah. But here's what happened. And how does that get internalized? And how does that impact self-trust? Yeah, I think too, the idea of honesty, like when you say the trust and like choosing to like confess to an accident, right? Confess to an accident. And like, I think I was fairly pure natured at that age. And I would have wanted to just be like, I'm so sorry this happened. It was an accident. And he says, and in that moment when I told him, you know, I, I I actually brought this up to him that I hadn't thought about this particular punishment in a long time. And as an adult, a few years, yeah, over COVID, sitting on his back porch, like telling him this, and he said something, and I think it made me more upset. Like, it's good to tell people, right? Like to try to like get some closure on things. But he had said, well, you know, lying is really a, a huge thing for me. And like, of course, like when you're in the moment in that conversation, you're just kind of taking things in, right? But probably in processing it afterwards, I was like, what? Like, because I feel like he's lying to himself. He's hiding his alcohol all the time. He's lying at all points. Like he's, it seems so hypocritical. It's such a contradiction to say like, well, lying was like the ultimate offense. And that's why you got punished that way. I'm sure that's why I did that. To someone who's constantly concealing things and lying. And so 
I guess I had a little closure in that I had confronted that situation with him and told him like, hey, this really hurt me. This came out in therapy. And he kind of went off on his tangent about other stories. But that came up instead. And I was like, what? Yeah, he's he's not going to be able to to connect to that because of how it plays out in his own life. Right. We know that. Yeah. But I think turning it and listen, I think sometimes, you know, we say things, we bring things forward without a need for a particular outcome because voicing it or just expressing it is something that feels supportive and valuable and important for us. And that may have been the case for you, but also to like pull this right back into your own world, which is how do I build up, regain, reclaim my self-trust in your body not your brain, not like, I know I'll never do X. I know, right? This trust, right? When you say like the third eye, it starts to heat up. It starts to expand. It's starting to pulse. You're like, where's my intuition? Right? Where's my intuition in all of this? Because I think there's that there's a piece of that that maybe still doesn't feel solid enough for you as you are approaching this initiation Yeah. And I don't know how much you, you are interested in like chakras. Like I've been really fascinated by them more recently. And I know like, you know, if you, in yoga, like if you are looking at your chakras and your first chakra that you come upon is your root chakra and the root chakra is about grounding and it's about safety. And I think about that a lot because also it is, you know, it is connected to birth. It's like, you're connected, you're rooting into the earth and I have a lot of back pain and I have a lot of I think that there's such a, not in my current life, I feel like I'm in a safe, peaceful space, but just over the course of my life, there's such a disruption there to feeling safe and protected and rooted in yourself and grounded. And like between that one and this one in my third eye, like my intuition, it's like, it feels like it's broken or it needs to be fixed. Forget about the stuff in between. Like those two are just like, they feel really disconnected and they feel probably the most important. And the idea of like birthing a child and raising a child is feeling safe and confident in myself, but also providing that to someone else. And because I haven't had that, or I I recognize the importance of it. I want to provide that for my child, but I also feel like it's needing healing for myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that it's, You've done a lot of work already, and that's been so supportive for you. And I don't want to skip over, you know, the the continuation of that, right? Which I know it's like such an annoying thing when we hear it, like, ah, oh, the work goes on forever. <laughs> cool. And it evolves. I, I did heal so much in doing the work. And now I'm in a different phase of my life where this is like a big life moment. It is. I'm an adult and I have a successful career. I have a happy relationship, but suddenly bringing a, you know, you have a kid, like bringing a child into the world, like understanding it's a big deal. I don't think it's a bad thing that I have some fear, anxiety around of it. I look at it kind of like stage fright. Like if you don't have stage fright, you're not prepared for like going to perform right so like you need a little of that to recognize like what you're about to undertake but like you said about the trust and the confidence it's like connecting that fear to to being like but i'm capable of this 
That's right. You know, attachment, so much of it is rooted in like, we can get through a hard thing together, right? That contact doesn't have to be ruptured between child and parent. So when child breaks something, so when child puts crayon on your freshly painted walls, so when child, right, puts your shoe in the toilet and flush, you know, whatever, right? But like, okay, yeah, there's a response to it. And also we can keep contact and move through this together and get to the other side. The self-trust piece, right? Yeah, being nervous of the unknown. You use the word uncertainty when we first started. Like, yeah, it's like an uncertain moment. Like, what's this going to look like? What's it going to be like? How's it going to unfold? What day is it going to happen? You know, maybe if you have a scheduled C-section, that might be something different, right? But it's like, there's just a lot of uncertainty in all of these pieces, right? Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a part of it. But the trust that I'm going to get through a hard thing, a challenging thing an initiation. That's not something that you learned through your childhood much. Now, maybe you've learned that in your partnership now. Maybe you have learned that in friendship. And it's possible that you've had experiences where hard things have happened and we can get through them. We can get to the other side of them. Maybe. It's interesting because when you say that, I totally recognize that you're right about that lack of confidence and that lack of trust. And yet, because of what I endured as a kid, there's so much resilience, but the resilience didn't give me more confidence. It just made me feel like I survived something. Yeah, there's a difference between resilience that is that is charged by survival. We can survive our way through a lot of things. Right. When survival is our motivation, it's very different than when healing, peace, ease is our motivation. Trust. And I wonder if that's me because I I wonder if that's maybe where a lot of the anxiety comes from is because of being in so many moments, whether it was like being in a car in a fearful situation, being almost drowning a couple of times because I never was put in swim lessons. Like there's so many moments like that through my childhood that I survived, but also just constantly put me in that, like, what's going on? What do I need to look for next that I might have to survive? Yeah. And it would be really easy for delivery to feel like that. And then for parenthood to feel like that. Where's my child? What is it? Is it okay for me to drive? Do I have eyes on this person? You know, it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of that. How do I keep this tiny human alive? Just that, (laughs) right? Just that. I feel like so many parents like, okay, how do we just make sure? And that, yeah. Don't think you want to survive your way through this chapter. Yeah. We know sometimes some of our greatest gifts can be birthed from our story. We are who we are because of it. Yada, 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 right? I know that. 
but there's a moment in life, well, probably a series of moments where we start to realize that our gifts don't need to be motivated and generated by the pain, by our trauma, right? by our survival. We can still have our gift. We can still have our edge. We can still have those things without needing that to be the thing that is energizing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this piece around the continued restoring of your self-trust feels so important. Yeah. I, we can get through hard things, not because we will survive them together, because we will move through them together. Yeah. Because I can trust myself. You can trust me. Yeah, I love that. There's something about pulling that original essence It's there. It's been buried for a long time, but it's there. And I wonder if there's a way for you to make contact with it. I want to. I I think that's why that's what motivated me to call is that I want to take action. I don't want to be driven by fear in this. You know, this is supposed to be a happy moment. And there is a lot of happiness around it, but there's a lot of trepidation because of the self-doubt and not having strong trust with my parent, but also, like you said, with myself, but now becoming a parent and needing to trust myself and needing a child to trust me, there's some overwhelm there because I don't have a great benchmark to draw from. I'm kind of drawing from maybe some mistakes that I've experienced rather than some good examples. Yeah. Do you remember trusting yourself and it working out? Yeah. I mean, I would say separate from relationships. If you look at my job and I work in a creative field and I'm a lifelong artistic person. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, just drawing for hours and that part of me was where I would escape, but never a lack of confidence there. Like I've been through like the that creative kind of journey where like every artist knows the creative process where you like you get here and you're so excited and then you're like I can't do this and I always excel at it and I'm excelling at it in my job and like I've just continued to build that confidence like there's been times when the same things from my dad like if I have like a if I had a toxic work relationship it would just catapult me into that self doubt but like I'm in a current position now where it's just like this and I'm, I never don't trust my instincts. I'm entrusted to like deliver to a room full of people, including like a CEO of a company, like this is what we should be doing. And I can present that way and I can come up with all the ideas and I am, I have no lack of confidence there. So like in that area of my life, I mean, and perhaps that was my escape ever since I was a little kid, right? It's like, I go there and I never, I'm like, I can't do this. I've never had like I can't talk in front of all these people. I can't put this together. Yeah. So you draw. Yeah. And you mostly draw for work or do you ever draw for pleasure now? Over COVID, I actually lost my job and I, I used it like a sabbatical and all I did was draw. And I worked on my what I wanted to draw and my creative project. Beautiful. Storytelling. 
I'll offer you this. I mean, take it or leave it. I would invite you to draw your birth. That's an interesting idea. And I'd invite you to draw it in the most beautiful, sacred way you can just envision it. And we, listen, we can hold the knowing that it will unfold the way it will unfold, right? And I'd still invite you to bring this like child essence to it, right? This like, and yeah, like sort of embodying a younger version of you, maybe even, right? This just like playful, daydreaming part. Like, here is how I hold this series of moments. How's that sound? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Great. So let's use your art as a passageway back into self-trust. Doesn't have to look the way you draw it. You get to choose something. Yeah, I love that idea. I, I love that. I don't know why I never considered going to my happy place, like my safe space, my art to like work through this, you know, as a way to kind of heal. And I don't know. I know. I, I think everything you touched on is really, it's really helpful. Like I, I feel like sometimes I fixate on the wounds because like they've affected me so much. It's like, I, you could probably feel that as I'm talking to you. It's like, yeah, I can summarize it, but I need you to know what happened because it was so bad, right? Because I need to, I need people to understand why I am the way I am, right? But understanding that like I am capable and people do this every day and they all have their different anxieties and pain that they bring to the table when they go through it as a parent and as someone that's pregnant and going through the process of you're very vulnerable, right? You're so vulnerable when you go through delivery and just restoring the confidence that I can do it and that I'm capable of it. And I have a partner that's going to be peaceful and supportive of me is like really important. Yeah. And it's just shifting it from here into here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right here. I can hear Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 I can do. Yeah. And then just kind of working towards embodying that and trusting that inside of you. So I love that. Well, thank you for being here and sharing some of this with me. Becoming a parent can bring up so much for all of us. If you're a parent or are becoming one, you know this. So many life lessons get packaged in this tiny little being and they reflect so much of what still needs our attention back to us. We definitely touched on this, but I really wanted Beach to explore more of the parts of her dad that she sees within herself. It's a really tricky space to enter into because the parts of the self that we are afraid of or don't like, uh, we often want to reject or dismiss. This is natural. This is something that so many of us do. And yet a big part of the goal is to befriend them. I know, it's so hard, but the more intimate we can get with the parts of the self that scare us, the more we can ultimately trust ourselves with those parts. 
right? It's easy to be afraid of giving them attention, but doing so is actually what allows us to begin to feel safer with ourselves. So many of us make declarations that sound something like, I'll never be like you, fill in the blank with said parent or adult, when I grow up and have my children. You've said that before, probably. In fact, we might even make those declarations as adults on the cusp of entering into parenthood. We couldn't possibly fathom being or doing in the way that they were or did. And, big, big and, a path of opposition, meaning I'm going to be the opposite of you, is not the same as being able to face the things we are afraid of, the things that we want to deny, so that we can actually have awareness of what exists within us that we don't want to see. So the question to you is what part of yourself do you deny? What part of yourself do you reject? What part of yourself do you shut down? Do you try to put your anger in lockdown? Do you try to put your sadness and loneliness on the top shelf and never have to look at them, right? What parts of yourself are you afraid of? And might you slowly start to bring them forward and shed some light on them? I hope what you heard was helpful. If you like the show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you would rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron, with production support from Manola Morales and Anita Flores. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.